This week on The Wise Guys. Here I am at this new job and I, I'm, I'm barely paying, paying my rent. You know, I'm overdrafting into my, my card and now I'm three, four months behind on rent. You know, this was late November all the way until I want to say March of 2020 of 2020. This is late November 2019 until March of 2020 where I'm three, four months behind on rent. And then until I got my new job, right, where I currently work as a rehab therapist at a um, uh, nonprofit, you know, uh, re a nonprofit, excuse me, re residential facility for boys, you know, I really was not, I was barely making it. But you know, I remember crying a lot. I remember asking God, why me, why me? And I remember just being able to push through it all and kind of work through everything and somehow, some way make it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I say all this to say that there's going to be a lot of moments in your life where you're going to be tested. There's going to be a lot of moments in your life where trials and tribulations. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? This is Kevin Unglad, and you are now tuning in to the Wise Guys Podcast, brought to you by Flowered Concrete. Check it out. Yo, 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 what's going on? What's going on? It's the man, Kevin Unglad, and we're back. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of the Wise Guys Podcast. This here is episode 53, all right? Once again, this is episode 53 called The Best and Worst of Times. Uh, but before we get into today's episode, uh, you know, I just wanted to, you know, give a shout out to the Wise community out there for always rocking with us here at the Wise Guys. You know, we appreciate you, uh, myself and Mark, for always being here with us and for always holding us down. Uh, Mark is currently not here today. Uh, he's, you know, out on business affairs. He's working today. So it'll be me just holding it down for today's episode. All right. But nonetheless, I'm, I know it's going to be a good one for sure. So with that being said, ladies and gents, I'm just happy to be here with you all today to talk about, you know, the best and worst of times. Uh, when I say the best and worst of times, I mean the best and worst of what you've experienced thus far within your life. Um, so this first segment is called At My Best, all right? This first segment is called At My Best. So being at my best, highlighting moments at least of being at my best, how did I get here? Right, and how did you all get there, wise community? I want to know. Uh, so for me, being at my best, um, I don't really feel that I'm I'm at, I'm at my best yet, in the greatest of senses, like in terms of like really being where I'd, where I'd like to be in my life, or where I'd want to be. Excuse me. Um, but I feel as if I'm taking progress to get there. I feel as if there's a lot of work that's being put in in order for me to get to where um you know where I'm where I am currently and where I'm trying to go. Uh, I know one thing for sure, it's going to sound kind of crazy, but some of the things that have led to me being at my best is when I've been at my worst, but I'll get to that in a second. But I can say for sure that being at my best, especially over the past five, six, seven years or so, has involved me, you know, having to overcome obstacles, which again, I'll get to in a second, but, you know, finding ways to persist in order to, you know, grow, evolve, change, adapt, and to kind of find my footing of where it is that I'm trying to go. Um, so yeah, like, man, I remember 2014, it was 2014 and I was working at Queensboro Community College. Now, a lot of you may remember this story. I've, I've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast about me graduating from college and not having any job prospects, um, you know, available to me in terms of graduating with a degree, a bachelor of arts in English and, and, and not being able to work in the publishing industry, which was what, which is what I was vying for at the time. But still, I, I still felt as if, you know, I had to, you know, persevere 
pursue and persist with everything it is that I was, you know, that it is, everything that it is and everything that it was that I was trying to do in my life and accomplish. But you know what? I think something that's not talked about, honestly, wise community, is that in order to be at your best, you have to know who you are, you know? And at 23 years old, I didn't know who I was. How many of us at 23 or 22 or 21 or even 24 can truly say that we know who we are? How many of us can say that? Me personally, you know, at 25, 27, 29, I didn't know who I was. You know, I did not know who I was. Honestly, I feel as if, you know, you know, it's it's a new year, it's 2021. I feel as if I just found out who I was, you know, two months ago when I turned 30. Like, I think 30 was like that big, um, what's the word or what's the thing I'm looking for? 30 was like the big reveal for me. Like, oh, shoot, like, this is who I could potentially be at this point in my life. Or this is who I possibly am becoming, you know? Um, so I think for me personally, I think 30 was like that moment of clarity. Now, obviously, how I'm thinking at 30 is not going to be how I am or how I'm thinking at 40. But I feel as if now, like, my brain is just starting to, like, 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 I don't know, expand, adapt, and the switch has been turned on for me to understand and know who I am and who I'm becoming. Um, yeah, so, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, kind of stray from the story, but in 2014, you know, I was working at Queensboro as a college assistant, which is a fancy way of saying uh, uh, the assistant to the secretary <laughs> in an in a, um, office or an a academic department, um, if... Uh, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and so, you know, filing paperwork, doing all this stuff, this mon- these mundane tasks, filing paperwork, you know, scheduling meetings with professors and their students, uh, you know, having students drop off like, you know, uh, change of grade forms and things like that, you know, to their professors and, you know, uh, filing paperwork again, as I said, and also, you know, handling and tackling the uh, what do you call those? The student evaluations. I remember having to swap them in and out in like different, uh, you know, interdepartment. Uh, those Manila yellow folders, and you know, having to t- take the copies and the and the originals and separate them from each other. Man, just things like like I was like, wow, man, why am I doing this? You know, and I remember on that around that time, I was heavily, you know, starting up Flowered Concrete, and I was trying to go to all of the different nonprofits and as well as like you know, institutions such as libraries around Queens and Brooklyn to see if I could get some of uh, my own programs uh, in there. And when I say programs, I mean original programs, you know, ran, orchestrated and workshopped by me, myself, pertaining to poetry and literature and writing, because I thought that there was a need and a void within a lot of those spaces to have programs, you know, daily uh, writing programs and academic reading programs for the children, for the kids who came out of school, didn't have anything to do and went to these libraries or these after school program activities at, at these nonprofits and didn't really have nothing to do except do homework, help and stuff like that. So I remember you know, uh, you know, having the opportunity to do a program at the Richmond Hill Library. That's a that's a, a, a Queens Library branch in Queens. It's one of the branches of the Queens Library, um, Richmond Hill. And I remember I ran a beautiful program where I got a chance to read some excerpts of my work, perform poetry, and then also just share my stuff to the the people who were in, in attendance and came out. Um, and so that led to me saying, "Wow, well, if I could do this." I could pro- I could possibly, excuse me, 
I could possibly pr- uh, present this type of information or or, or present uh, a, a, a similar blueprint or program that can fit into other libraries. So from there, what I did was I went to, where did I go? I went to uh, the main library in Queens, which is on, you know, it's off Jamaica Ave and, and, and on Merrick Boulevard. And it's, it's just the, the Queen Central Library. So I remember I went there with uh, someone who um, I was working with at the time. And, uh, and, you know, in terms of like collaborations and partnerships, his name was Joshua Walker. Shout out to him. And I remember me and Josh went to the main library branch, right? The main Queens Library branch at Central. And we proposed like, you know, a plan where this is what we would do for the community and this is how we would try to run it and organize it and stuff like that, you know, in regards to the library community and how we would go about, you know, putting all that stuff into practice and implementing them. And I remember them saying, oh, wow, like, this is cool. Like, we met with, um, uh, shout out to Melissa Malenick. I don't think she's there at the library anymore, but she was the coordinator of teen programs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she was the coordinator of teen programs. And, uh, you know, I, you know, me and Josh, we met with her and we were able to like, you know, talk about stuff we wanted to do. And so from there, she was like, okay, well, if anything opens up, we'll let you know. Mind you, we're 23. We're broke. You know, I'm 23. He's 21. We're broke. We don't know what it is that we're doing in regards to this stuff, but we're just like, okay, well, we'll try to figure it out and hopefully it all comes together. Right. And so what eventually happens is maybe like a month Later, you know, she reaches out to us and says, hey, like, you know, we definitely would like for you to do something, whatever, whatnot. And, you know, I thought it was going to be both of us, but it was just me. And I was like, okay, cool. I guess, you know, I'll do my thing. So I remember running a, a program in one of the libraries for like about a good three weeks. I did that. It was a success. It was a poetry workshop. Um, I think I called it Definition of Rap, where I was teaching the kids rap through poetry and looking at artists and breaking those artists' lyrics down and whatnot. And it went pretty well. It went really, really good. But mind you, I was doing it for free. I didn't get paid. But still, though, I thought it was something that I could do to put on my resume. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, let me just do it. So I did it. It worked out. And then what ended up happening was, you know, a month later, you know, they reached out to me again. And they were like, hey, let's have you do another program at another library. But this time we have a $75, um, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> stipend to to provide you you know, for each hour of your services, because I was running the program uh, once a week, you know, within four weeks for about an hour each. So I was like, wow, I'm actually getting money from it now. And then ne- the next month I get offered another library to do. And then now they're telling me 125 per hour. And then I had to really stop and think and say to myself, Kev, they always had a budget. You know what I'm saying? What it was, was that, you know, you were not proven. You didn't have a track record of doing anything. So they wanted to see that you actually were able to do you know, what, you're, what you said you were going to do, execute, complete it, and do it to a degree in which they uh, uh, believed it to be, you know, adequate and as well as effective and overall just impactful to the kids themselves. So it actually worked out pretty well for me in that, in that, in that realm and in that way. And I was happy. I was happy that it worked out. Um, and again, this was a really tough period for me because remember, you have to remember I had no money. You know, um, I, I was working at this job and I really felt like I was at my worst because I didn't know what the next uh, game plan was or what the next step was in, within my life. So I just thought that was something, you know, that was pretty cool um, to kind of share, to kind of um, look over. And then after that, you know, 2017, 2018, I moved out to Connecticut to become a full time English teacher. And I got through the, I got that through um, applying through Teach for America. And then when I got that, I was like, yo, I because at the time I was in my master's program while working at Queensboro, I said, yo, I am not going to complete this master's program 
to not have a job lined up when I leave. You know what I'm saying? To not have a job lined up. So, you know, I had to test, I had to uh, step out on faith. It was a test. And I was like, you know what, God, I I really, you know, I remember talking to God heavily around that time saying, God, I don't know what what the next step is, but I need you to guide me. I need you, I need you to order my steps and I need you to help me figure it out. So, you know, I I consider that and that moment or those moments to, to be like some of the best of my times because there were no guarantees in anything that I was doing. I persevered and I still pushed through, you know? Um, even some of our best times, you know, maybe us like working through relationships and working through moments of just like being with people and not knowing if you're going to make it, you know, make it through the ordeal with them, you know, uh, and things like that, you know. So, for example, I, like like I've said on a plethora of occasions, I was being stalked by one of my ex-girlfriends and I remember you know, it was beating me down so much, so, 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 so much. But nonetheless, I didn't allow what was going on with her and how she treated me and, and, and at the time in terms of the relationship and as well as like being stalked by her, you know, her calling my job, her doing all these crazy things. I didn't allow any of that stuff to change who I was in terms of like my, my, my personality, even though it ate at me and it gnawed at my sanity a lot. I didn't allow that to change me. So what ended up happening eventually over time was I grew from that, you know, I grew up, I grew from that, you know, it made me stronger and it made me realize that no matter what comes your way, no matter what type of situation, what type of negative uh, moment or ordeal that's thrown at you, you can always overcome that obstacle and deal with it. You know what I'm saying? And when we talk about being at your best, I think those are the type of things, those are the type of conflictions that help with that, that help with us growing and evolving, adapting and changing is when we have to face the pressure head on and either, you know, fight or flight, you know what I'm saying? You're going to either stay and face it or you're going to just, you know, flee and run, you know? So those are some of the things that, that you know, pertain to us being at our best. But what about y'all, Wise Community? Um, what, are, what are some moments, you know, in your life, whether it's currently or in the past, where you felt as if you've been at, at your best? I would love to know. I would love to know. Please be sure to leave it in the comments, you know, of this week's episode, you know, um, or please be sure to send me an email at thewiseguysnyc at gmail.com. You know, we would love to know here at the wise, you know, at the wise guys, Mark and I would love to know what are some times when you've been at your best um, and, and how were you able to get there? You know, what are some challenges or some pressures you had to face? Right. So I kind of want to move on to the second segment now called at my worst. All right at my worst. Now, for me personally, at my worst. Uh man, I mean, obviously not having money uh you know after graduating college or even being in college, that was definitely me at my worst. But I also think me being at my worst was when um you know, when I wasn't able to get a job and me and my mom, we were at odds. Like we were at odds and uh we were we were uh seeing eye to eye at certain points cuz she wanted me to give her about 400, 500 a month cuz obviously at that point she was a um um a, a widow and a single parent, you know, struggling to make ways to afford, you know, a home which my dad and her obviously purchased, you know, prior to me being born, uh, you know, in 91. But, you know, I just felt as if like I was being smothered and I just couldn't, you know, imagine someone putting pressure on you to help them figure it all out, especially a parent and you live with them. And then, you know, you're 23, 24, you're in this place where you want to be independent, but you don't have the financial means or the, or the groundwork to move out and do what you need to do and be independent. And then you're still depending on this person. So it's kind of like you have this mode, you, you, you have like a half mode of dependency, but then also you have a half mode of like wanting to be independent, right? And 
and independency in terms of just being on your own and figuring it out and just um you know just being independent you know independence is is king when it comes to doing what you want right uh and you know that was tough that was real tough so i say all that to say dealing with that wasn't the easiest being stalked by my ex-girlfriend wasn't the easiest her contacting my friends families uh acquaintances business associates uh my girlfriend uh, my girlfriend following her at the time wasn't the easiest and it put a strain on me it put a strain on my mental my mental health um it put a strain on my relationships with a lot of people it tarnished and severed a plethora of relationships that i had with people when it you know comes to business and um you know just relationships within that realm in itself and I think I lost a lot of people who really believed in me and and again because at the time you know I didn't know my ex-girlfriend my ex-ex-girlfriend was stalking me but I remember her saying that you know I had raped her at you know I I, you know when I was a teacher I used to touch kids at my job and I used to like sexually make advances upon them all this type of stuff and crap that you know it really put a hurting on me and honestly it could have broke me but I still persisted and I still pushed through you know so I remember that period from 20 14 to 2018 to two, yeah tw- damn four years 2014 2018 being a very dark period in my life you know that's that was probably the second worst time or the second moment where, where it was a dark period in my life the first dark period or the first like moments of me being at my worst times was when my sister died my older sister alexandra god rest her soul passed away in november uh, 17th of 2007 and then my father in on october 19th of 20 2010 so you know that was my first dark period dealing with my ex-ex-girlfriend and her stalking my family and everyone surrounding me you know that was my second dark period and then most recently as i mentioned before with mark i think it might have been episode 31 or 32 somewhere around there um the third and most recent dark period of my life was working at the private school in, in 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 connecticut you know at the Walker and uh, an all girls school where, you know, um, I taught them about colorism and then I was accused of, I was accused of, uh, you know, uh, sexual, not sexual assault, but I think I was accused of, I don't even remember what the, what the, what the attempted charges were, but I remember like, you know, I had a DCF case, which (laughs) that can totally tarnish and ruin your, your career. Um, I don't. I I really can't remember, and I would have to look at my document, look at my paperwork. But for the sake of the podcast, I'm not going to go out and, and you know go find and try to pull all this information up. But it definitely was on some like you know sexual assault or like sexual attempt to like sexually you know uh, well yeah one was phys- physical neglect and harm due to the fact that you know I showed the kids a video of like a girl in middle school fighting a black girl at that and then they were talking about you know uh, oral sex and fellatio or whatever whatnot and I guess the parents hadn't um, taught that stuff to their kids but I'm like well this is the stuff that the that girls deal with nowadays especially in public school you know because the, the book we were reading at the time was called The Skin I'm In where a dark skinned girl has to deal with colorism and she has to try to find her true identity and learn how to get out of that but you know they weren't with it and you know i got accused of physical harm and neglect because of that and i think the other one was like uh sexual assault or sexual neglect or something i don't even remember but it was something to that degree and i was like wow like is this because i'm black that they're doing this to me because i'm uh you know 
more than likely the first black male to ever work at that school as a teacher, as an English teacher at a private, all girls private school that, you know, this is what comes of it, you know? And I don't know, like that was really hard for me because for the two or three months following that, you know, I was waiting for that case to be resolved. And, you know, I either was going to be, you know, accused of that and then it was going to stay on my record or I was going to, you know, be liberated from it. And during that time, you know, I served as a substitute teacher for about two to three months at Windsor Locks High School. Uh, Windsor Locks High School, uh, up, up in Windsor Locks. Shout out to Windsor Locks High School. I know I talked a lot about them during my first, uh, during the first season of the podcast. And that was hard for me. I had to truly humble myself to say, wow, like, look at, look at the fact that I just came from a private school where I was recently fired for, you know, physical harm and neglect for showing a video and as well as teaching colorism to girls to now being at this high school where I am a nobody because let's be honest, substitute teachers get minimal amount of respect, like no respect whatsoever. But the kids loved me. The kids rocked out with me and they seemed to think I was pretty cool. But other than them, um, I didn't get that at all, you know, and it was just tough. It was just really, really tough to kind of have to, you know, excuse my language, but kind of eat that, like eat, eat shit for a little bit and say, all right, well, you're going to be making $600 every two weeks while your rent is coming in strong and hard at $927 a month. And then you got to you know, mind you, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'm broke because I've spent all of my emergency funds from working at that other job, you know, and I, I wasn't uh, collecting unemployment at the time. And then now here I am at this new job and I, I'm, I'm barely paying paying my rent. You know, I'm overdrafting into my, my card and now I'm three, four months behind on rent. You know, this was late November all the way until I want to say March of 2020 of 2020 this is late November 2019 until March of 2020 where I'm three four months behind on rent and then until I got my new job right where I currently work as a rehab therapist at a um a nonprofit you know uh, re- a nonprofit excuse me rev- residential facility for boys you know I really was not I was barely making it but you know, I remember crying a lot. I remember asking God, why me? Why me? And I remember just being able to push through it all and kind of work through everything and somehow, some way make it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I say all this to say that there's going to be a lot of moments in your life where you're going to be tested. There's going to be a lot of moments in your life where trials and tribulations naturally will occur to you and you can't stop them. They're inevitable. It doesn't mean that your life is cursed. It doesn't mean that your life is not a life worth living. And it doesn't mean that you as a person aren't meant to grow, evolve, change, adapt, and become who it is that you want to become. But at the end of the day, you have to deal with those situations. You have to deal with the things that come. Because one day you could be all high and mighty working this fabulous job, making six figures in the bank, you know, with a nice savings to boot, you know, own a nice home or live in a nice condo. Next thing you know, you know, the, 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 the COVID-19 crisis or something similar to it, like, like this pandemic that we're currently in, may erupt. And now, before you know it, you've lost everything. You've lost everything. Maybe you didn't save as much as you should. Maybe you didn't, you know, uh, fill out or sign up for a life insurance policy just in case somebody dies. Or maybe, you know, you were equally spending as much as you were making and you're, uh, you were not living above your means, but you're living right at your means, meaning that, you know, your cost of living is exactly what you're making, right? Instead of like saying, okay, I make six figures, let me go down and live a five-figure life so that way I can have money just in case, you know, something happens or I need it for a rainy day, right? 
These are things that we often have to think about. And not only that, we have to take pride and take, um, uh, you know, to take a, a form of accountability and appreciation when we do go through these things. Um, you know, and we'll talk about that, I think, the next episode, honestly. I think the next episode is actually going to be based on accountabil- accountability for next week. But we need to take pride and ownership of, you know, our best times and as well as our worst times because those things are the things that make us. They make who we become. They're part of our story. You have to embrace it and appreciate them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to embrace it and appreciate them because those essentially are a major portion of your functionality as a human being. And you should be proud of them because you want to have a... I mean, not necessarily you need those stories, but if you have them, God bless the fact that you have those stories. You want to have those stories and present it to, you know, your future kids or your kids now and say, this is what I went through. These are the challenges and the obstacles that I've overcame. And this is why I am who I am and where I am today. And that's what this whole podcast is about, right? The wise guy is about overcoming the challenges and the obstacles that block us or, or, or put us within a barrier that we need to overcome in route to success, right? So I don't know. Those are some of my thoughts, wise community, in regards to that. And what are your, you know, what, are, what, what have been the times when you've been at your worst? Mark and I would like to know, what have been some of the times when you have been at your worst in life and you didn't see it getting any better or any improvements happening. I would love to know. I would love, 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 love to know. So please be sure to, you know, send us an email, drop a comment, you know, in this week's post regarding this episode and let us know. I would love to hear about it. And we would love to hear about it, Mark and I overall, and the whole community would love to hear about it. You know, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say what you've been through. No one's going to uh, judge you, especially if it's real to your experience and knowing that you you have the 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 gall or the or the or the wherewithal to bounce back that's super super important all right so i'm going to move on to the word to the wise now in regard to this episode the best and worst of times if i had to choose one word to kind of encapsulate everything we've been talking about today for this episode is hmm i would say my word would be I could say that word. I don't know if that's the word I want to... You know what? I got the word. <laughs> I got the word. The word The word that I would like to say today, or my word to the wise for you all today, wise community, is faith. <laughs> faith is very important. Whether it was the situation when I was working at Queensboro and I was doing the stuff at the library, or the situation of, you know, um, you know uh, moving to Connecticut not you know knowing anything about the state and moving out of my mom's house for the first time in my life at 26 years old not knowing how to do laundry not knowing how to cook you know not knowing how to mop sweep clean all of those things right at 26 years old could you believe that um and also going through a situation where I was being stalked by my ex-girlfriend didn't my ex-ex-girlfriend didn't know that it was her and as well as going through a situation where um you know I lost my job you know I was fired from two jobs one being uh, Ethel Walker and the other being Winterlocks High School, you know, I, faith, faith. And, you know, if you're not Christian, you know, I, I can completely understand, but I, I, you know, in God and I am a Christian. And I remember the book that saved me, man, was Proverbs. Like I remember reading Proverbs every day after losing my job at Ethel Walker and Proverbs really just helping me grow, evolve, you know, adapt to my dilemma and and change for the betterment of who I am as a person, 
right? Proverbs was really it. Proverbs is what did it, you know, and Proverbs is such a great book. It's so, it's so sensual in nature in terms of just really trying to, you know, connect with you one-to-one and really have you open your mind to what it is that you're going through, what you've been through. So Proverbs was it for me. It talks a lot about faith. It talks a lot about you know, uh, just letting go and letting God deal with everything and just not really worrying about anything, just taking a leap of faith and uh, and having wisdom. Man, Proverbs is such a book of wisdom and I really appreciate it for that. So definitely that's my words of the wise today. It would be faith. Have faith in everything that you do. Have faith in the known. Have faith in your fear. Have faith in your courage and have faith in the unknown and everything that is that that is to come for you because you don't know what can happen as long as you put your your two steps forward you put your faith in it and then you let God or whatever entity you believe in you know work everything out the way it's supposed to all right so with that being said, that's our show for today, Wise Community. The Wise Guys, you already know, we're available on a majority of all streaming platforms such as Spotify, Anchor, Apple, uh, let's see here, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Breaker, you name it, and we're there, The Wise Guys, all right? So please be sure to check out our show. Mark and I, we appreciate you, we appreciate you, we appreciate you for checking out the so- the show and, and thus far, you know, in 2021 as well as the season. We're halfway into the season. Man, we're almost we're almost there. We're halfway into the season. You know, we got another half to go. And I appreciate y'all for um for just rocking out with us and everything it is that we do. Uh so just keep, you know, rocking out with us, keep tuning into the show, and we appreciate you, all right? So with that being said, that's today's show. I hope you all enjoy it. I hope you all appreciate it. And with that being said, next week's episode, episode 57, is going to be based on accountability. It'll be a really, really good one. And hopefully, you know, hopefully Mark's back. And if he's not, you know, we're still going to rock out. I'll be here with you all holding it down and doing what it is that we need to do. So with that being said, this is the man, Kevin Unglad, and you have been tuning in to the Wise Guys podcast. We'll see you all next week. Stay wise.